Hello and welcome. Is your business your mission and your mission your business? If yes, you found your tribe. Whether you feel like it or not, you are avant-garde, going your own way, making your own path, doing it like no one has done before. And the answers to the challenges you're facing aren't in a book. My friend, you are not alone. This is the Avant-Garde Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Trisha Bailey, a mission-minded serial entrepreneur and traveler. My purpose on this earth is to use my authenticity and passion to equip and empower social entrepreneurs to live in their highest calling, feeling freedom, fulfillment, and security, and inspiring others to do the same. Join me for stories, tips, and tricks for taking avant-garde inspired action in your business so that you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. I believe it doesn't have to be hard to be right. Welcome to episode 25 of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I am so glad you're here with me today, my friends. This is part one in a two-part specialist series. Two of the biggest mysteries for most business owners are financials and marketing. There's virtually no solid information out there about managing your financials and business continuity. On the other hand, there's gobs of information about marketing. The question is, what is real? What applies? And what do you need to know as a social entrepreneur? In episode 24, I shared that much of the purpose of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur podcasts, as well as our suite of programs, is to be your filter so that you can focus on your social enterprise and eliminate some of the noise, all the shoulds, what you should read, what you should do. Today, we are talking with my personal human filter about all things marketing. We're not talking about all things marketing today, but when it comes to being my human filter, he's the one I trust for anything that's marketing related. His name is Jacob Froats. He's the owner of Ten City Impact, a full service marketing agency based in Malaysia. Jacob has many roles, but I know him as a digital marketing expert and friend. And no, I did not meet him because of a Google search. Facebook, or Instagram, if you can imagine that. And in fact, I just realized when I was prepping for this podcast that we're not even first degree connections on LinkedIn. The way we met was by a higher power that brought us together. So whether it's God, the universe, serendipity, whatever you want to call it. And we got connected after I'd experienced the pain and knew I needed help with marketing. I just had no idea how much help I needed until he and his team took over. So when I say experience the pain, what I mean is that I knew what I was doing wasn't working and it certainly wasn't going to work long-term. So what I did, and I encourage you to do this as well, is I conducted a personal audit of all the things I was doing. What was I doing in my startup? What did I love to do? And what were the key things that truly only I could do? I guess the easiest way to say it was, what was my core genius? And the short version is that creating content for you is my core genius. The rest I needed to get help on, especially all things related to digital marketing. I needed a digital media director. So this was in September, 2021. 
six weeks later, just six weeks after writing down what I needed in early November, 2021, I was at a conference where Jacob was a virtual sponsor. He wasn't even physically at the conference. He just had a great message and I knew I needed to meet him. So we set up a call. I sent him my Evernote list of all the things that I knew I needed to outsource. We had a Google meeting to talk through them and then another where he introduced me to my future account manager, B. And it was off to the races, as you might say. So we've been working together for just over a year now. And meeting Jacob has been a huge blessing. It is truly the best decision I ever made for my business. And it's truly the reason why Trisha Bailey PhD and our avant-garde entrepreneur suite of programs is even on the map. It's even the only reason you even know about it is because of Jacob and his team. And I am certainly uh, by far one of Jacob's, if not the smallest customer Jacob has, but he believes in you. And he brought me on as a client. You know, one of the things that makes social entrepreneurs unique is this dual focus on people and profit. Plus, you have multiple stakeholders. You have donors and investors. You have beneficiaries who serve, train and educate, plus paying customers who buy your products and services. And these stakeholder groups all have very different agendas. And your messaging and how you show up, what you put out into the world, it's so important, but it's not easy to balance all of them. And Jacob, more than anyone I know, is qualified to share insights that help you navigate this. Jacob basically, among being other things, among being a dad and a husband and a son, he lives and breathes digital marketing. He's created a multicultural team of and has clients in more than seven countries. He's done it all from the ground up and his team is happy. I know this because they share how great he is, even when they don't have to. So if his other clients are as happy and grateful as me, then that means that Jacob has a lot of raving fans around the world. Jacob, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me and that over-the-top wonderful intro. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. A lot of kind words, and you've been a, a blessing to my staff. And yeah, a lot of kind words, and my staff handles you totally by themselves. So I don't know if that's my my best case study or worst one, but I don't uh, connect with you as often as I should. So you've been a blessing to us and super cool um, story to be where we're at today. Thanks. Well, we appreciate it. Everything. It's amazing. So I've shared a little about you from my perspective as uh, a friend and a trusted client. So tell us about yourself. I mean, you built a business from the ground up in another country. Where are you from? How did you get into marketing? And where are you now? Yeah, I'll try to give you the the quick version. I Grew up in Northeast Ohio, moved down to North Carolina for university. Wanted nothing to do with digital marketing, social media at all. Thought that was not worth it. All the young kids wanted to do it. I wanted to do the real stuff. Mm -hmm. But I always liked getting free things. And so anytime there was stuff at the university or I'd reach out to universities, get free t-shirts. I was always interested in whatever I can get for free. And so there was a, a social media marketing person that came to our school and talked. And they said they got free stuff from Instagram because they had some couple thousand followers. 
And I was like, all right, I'm interested in social media. You can get free stuff. And so <laughs> um, I started, a, my roommate was a barista. And so I was like, I think I can get us free coffee if we do this, this, this. And so started to figure out how to do that in early days of social media influencing. And that branched off. And I was just giving free coffee to everyone I knew since I had so much. And some folks running businesses were like, hey, we're paying someone a lot of money to do this. And they don't seem to be doing as good as you're doing with that coffee thing. So why don't you come in and, and talk to us and end up getting hired here and there for some contract work. Wanted to be back in, in Southeast Asia. I spent my, my last summer of college working in Cambodia and just knew I wanted to be in Southeast Asia. And so as soon as I got the opportunity to, to move back, had enough contract work and it coincided with meeting and marrying my wife. Um, she's from the States as well, but she wanted to be in Southeast Asia and the timeline just worked out really well. And so we, we got married and moved over here four years ago, a little over four years ago now. And yeah, just took the opportunity as soon as I could to, to start a business and start hiring people. It's the first time I've ever hired anyone as a full-time employee it was in 2019, the pandemic hit. And so it was me and, and Yaya, our, our designer for a long time, just the two of us trying to survive. And then we just had a big day on, on Monday this week. We, we took the staff out, went to one of our clients as a, a fitness franchise here. And so we went, did a big competition fitness class. Uh, office competition together and then went out for sushi afterwards and i was like man we got a really big table there's 14 of us i have a new intern starting next week that'll make 15 like, this is very different than than a couple of years ago so it's been a really cool journey uh, to get where we're at today yeah you've had a lot of change in four years or you know yeah that's a lot <laughs> yeah my wife laughs at me she's like four years ago you were single in north carolina no responsibilities now you've got two kids a wife 14 people dependent on you. Living in another country. <laughs> um, God's been a faithful blessing to me and, and all that. as he's given me responsibilities and held me through it. Yeah. Do you remember your first interview whenever or whenever you were hiring Yaya? Do you remember what that was like for you or how you felt? That's a big step for hiring someone. Yeah, that was exciting. I, like I said, I've never done it before. Interviewed a few people, knew I needed somebody. I think everything that we do now has just been piece by piece, the same as figuring out how to get free coffee on Instagram. Mm -hmm. All right, now I'm figuring out Photoshop and design work, but we're getting more work and I need to hire someone that actually knows how to do this really well and is better than me. And so, yeah, it was, I don't know if I remember the the interview specifically, but uh, oh, I I do remember one thing. She asked about her HR department. And I was like, just to be clear, I know there's like a little language barrier and things, but just to be clear, just you, it'll just be you and me. It's a, Yaya is still with us. She's been a, a huge blessing to our business, our family, our yeah. culture ever since that day. You know, I haven't got to meet Yaya yet, but she ha- was helpful designing the diamond for our logo. I had created something in Canva and then I realized, you know, the things you realize as a business owner, oh, you can't use that if it's going to be associated. Well, I'd taken a template from Canva, a design that was already in Canva. And then I learned that you can't use that if it's if there's ever going to be any revenue generated. And so I went to B and told her about it. And Yaya designed, Yaya is the one who designed our little diamond. So we love Yaya. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit more. I kind of talked a little bit about it, but tell us uh, more about Tensity Impact and because the concept of marketing is really big for a lot of people and you have 14 people, obviously you've got a lot of things happening. Tell us about that. Yeah. Like you, you mentioned, we're a full service agency. 
we do a little bit of everything. It keeps us on our toes and excited. We work with basically every client's in a different industry and most are in different countries. And so that, that makes every day really fun and, and interesting. So we're working on, on different problems and yeah, it's really neat. So we've got about half our clients in Southeast Asia and about half in US, some Europe, Middle East tend to work with higher ticket client, higher ticket items or clients that are selling those products or services. And so anywhere from clients making 50,000 a month to 5 million a month for able to, to hop on, do a few things and, and increase that sales number even a little bit that, that has a huge impact for, for their bottom line. And so looks a little bit different. I know we might talk about it depending on what that client size is, what opportunities they have in the marketing realm and where we could best serve. But we do a little bit of everything for, for each of those clients. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Your tagline is it? Tell me your tagline. Is it worry less, sell more? That's on the head of the website. I think uh, yeah. we build meaningful relationships is, is pretty core to what we do. Okay. Uh, that goes along with, with that worry less, sell more, but yeah, we help all our clients, whether it's running Facebook ads and making introductions to to customers there for them or reaching out mm-hmm. on LinkedIn on their behalf to set them up with with relationships. It's all about uh, that person-to-person relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we do. And you really meet people where they are, sounds like. It's not just me. It's It's the same way with everybody. You figure out what it is they need, whether they think they need it or they don't think they need it, and you know they need it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, every every client's very unique. And yeah. Yeah, there's really two ways to build a, a marketing agency. I don't know how this, interesting this is to you or your listeners, but you can go real productized and go, hey, we serve dentists and we serve a thousand dentists and dentist number 561 needs this today. And it's pretty numbers based or, or you can go more customized and that's the route that we've taken. It's way more relational and that's that's pretty core to, to who we are, who I am, why I moved to Southeast Asia is, is the relationship piece with our our team, our, our clients like yourself, and then their customers as well. Um, most of our clients, they're, they're trusting us to talk with their customers every day and build those relationships on their behalf. And mm-hmm. so that's a, a big responsibility that we, we take pretty seriously. Mm-hmm. That is a huge responsibility when you're basically the conduit of information. It's huge. Yep. Yeah. Want to know how you can use your natural skills, personality, and talent to create the social enterprise of your dreams? Find out how to design a life-giving, sustainable, scalable impact business based on your social entrepreneur style with my What's Your Social Entrepreneur Style quiz. Whether you're dreaming of starting an impact business, already have a social enterprise and it's not as much fun as it used to be, or you have loads of experience and you want to make it better, I created a free 10-question quiz to help you gain more clarity about yourself and how to build or refine your social enterprise, not only to fit your style, but to find others who complement your style. Not only that, but with this newfound knowledge, you'll feel empowered to enhance your process instead of just focus on the results, which, let's face it, can take a while. To discover your social entrepreneur style, go to trishabaileyphd.com and take two minutes to answer 10 really fun questions about yourself and your business. You'll immediately find out whether you're a passionate go-getter, meticulous analyst, supportive mediator, or enthusiastic influencer. Then I'll send goodies and guidance to your inbox specifically curated for your unique style. 
You'll also get this super fun, this is me graphic that you can share on social that shows your style and your strengths. Talk about free, easy, and non-sleazy self promo. Again, that's trishabaileyphd.com to find out your social entrepreneur style with my fun, fast, and free quiz. I'd really like to ask you some, I think these might be for you, certainly marketing 101 questions, but we had a, in our avant-garde entrepreneur foundations program, we had our first group of graduates go through in the fall last year and we continued meeting and uh, we meet once or twice a month and they had the thing that comes up is marketing. That is the first thing that comes up. It's like, how do we find, how do we even find our our customers are, you know, how do we serve our beneficiaries, especially for people, you know, with social enterprise? I know you know about this, but there's like, there's this huge spectrum of profit to nonprofit of social enterprise. And especially those that are on the more on the nonprofit side, it's a big leap to shift to the mindset of, okay, now we're going to make money. And yep. so marketing is always a huge, huge question. So if someone is, whether they're new in social enterprise or they're making a major shift in their strategy, where do you actually start deciding on how to market your business? There's probably a good distinction there if they are brand new or if they're making a shift. So if you're brand new, you need to prove out that, hey, there is a market for for what we're doing. So maybe a marketing myth there is that you can create demand with great marketing. And I'm sure there's a case study out there where someone's done it, but most of the time it's no, you, you can unlock some demand, some pent up demand that's not being served. But I've had a number of people come and, and put forth valiant efforts and that I've watched try to market something that just the market doesn't want. And so no matter mm-hmm. how, how much money you spend or how many people you talk to, if, if people aren't wanting to buy it, then yeah, it doesn't matter how much money you're spending. You're, you're not going to see that come back. And so. A big test for people just starting out is like, all right, get your first three customers, three days, three customers. Mm-hmm. So if it's, if it's your first first thing, you're just trying to figure out, and that's text your friends, family, and don't just ask them, hey, does this seem like a good idea? It's, hey, here's my Venmo. If Would you pay for this? Mm-hmm. All right, it's $100. Get three people to send you $100. Improve that out. Then you can go, all right, I think I've got something here. Now you got to figure out how to deliver it, obviously, if it's your, your first thing and, and make sure that all works. But as far as the marketing plan, okay, now I've got some validation that, that I can try out some other methods. If you're switching over, you're, you're saying from non, nonprofit or not thinking about making money to, all right, how do I really, really scale this? Is that, that the mm-hmm. other scenario? Yeah, because a lot of social entrepreneurs, especially if they, you know, they start as a nonprofit and they really want to serve their beneficiaries. And they realize that just giving them money or giving them things isn't going to help. They need to teach them how to fish instead of giving them fish. They need to teach them how to fish. So they need to switch over their mindset and create a business where they can train people, you know, to give them skills and then maybe even seed money to get started in their own business. Yeah, that same principle probably applies and make sure. Make sure you have customers and you're serving a real need. I think I've mm-hmm. seen a number of people that say they're social enterprise and not actually serving a real need. It's just family and friends mm-hmm. want to help you out and feel bad. And so it works for a while and even maybe a year or two. 
but then it wasn't a real need that you're addressing in the market. So that's probably a a good thing to be looking at before you invest a lot of time and energy in people's lives that you really want to help, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that's a sustainable business, even without you and, and your connections. Facebook is an easy way to test that. So if you want to get outside of your own circle and you could see sort of looking at your competitors and what, what other people are doing that are in your similar industry. Mm -hmm. And if there's not any any people in your industry, that's either a really good sign or a really bad sign. Mm -hmm. A huge opportunity or hey, a lot of people have tried this and it's not working. But you could go look at what they're doing. If you click on people's Facebook profiles, there's a, a thing on the left side. If you scroll down, it's called page transparency. Mm -hmm. And so you could see ads that they're running. So if you look up, make a list of your competitors, go on their Facebook page, you could see their ads that they're running. Mm -hmm. And maybe just run something similar and go, hey, does this work for people outside of my network. Here's the people I want to target. I've sort of got a idea of the type of ads that are are working for someone else. Don't copy mm -hmm. their ads, obviously, but with your own unique spin and, and with your product or service, put that in there. And, and that should give you a good test. You don't need to have positive ROI on the first ad. That might be somewhat unrealistic, but if you're getting any sort of traction and having some conversations from it, then mm -hmm. that's probably a, a great way to validate. Oh yeah, we could, we could make a change here. Hmm. That's really helpful. That kind of brings up another question about Facebook ads. What you mentioned there, I think there's a lot of, um, probably a lot of maybe misinformation or just people wonder about them. So you mentioned kind of doing this as a beginning thing. Can you do Facebook ads really inexpensively? Or, you know, is there kind of this break even point where if you're doing selling certain kinds of things that you, sh you should or shouldn't consider Facebook ads? Yeah, there's there's definitely some general guidelines. Mm -hmm. I should have like a set of 10 rules. I'm sure they're out there. Facebook ads is super versatile. You, you can go on there and go, I want to spend $5 or spend over a million dollars in Facebook ads with one client last year. We just tallied wow. up 2022. It's like, that's a lot of money. Wow. <laughs> it feels like play money. No, that's a real million dollars <laughs> that we gave to Facebook. But it was mm -hmm. profitable. They're giving back customers and able to create a, a bigger business and impact that way. So it serves a wide, wide spectrum. Generally, higher ticket items and, and services work better on Facebook because it's a, a competitive market. You're mm -hmm. you're bidding for eyeballs, basically. And so mm -hmm. if someone is willing to, to bid more than you, they're going to get the eyeballs. And so if you're selling a, a trinket that's 50 cents, you're not going to be able to compete with someone who's selling cars on there for $50,000. Mm -hmm. And so it'd be really hard to sell trinkets on Facebook ads to do it well. Mm -hmm. There's companies that have done it, but it's really, really difficult. The more your customer is worth to you, the better you're going to be. And that's sort of the game for a lot of business. The more you, you can make your customers worth to you, the, the more you can outcompete your your competitors. The more you can spend on Facebook, the more you can treat your customers better than they can because your customers are worth more to you. And so higher prices makes customers worth more, getting them to buy from you multiple times, having phenomenal service where they, they come back to you and they tell other people about you are all ways to do that. Both love Facebook ads. Like I said, spent a lot of money on Facebook ads last year. <laughs> uh, I also write a daily email and a lot of times I'm ranting against Facebook ads because so many people like that's their, their main go-to strategy of, hey, if only I had more leads, if only I had a few more customers, my life mm -hmm. would be so much better. My business would be so much better. And so we need to spend more on Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. And that's usually not the cure for most businesses, 90 plus mm -hmm. percent. Mm -hmm. uh, they really need to focus on their current customers and how well they're they're being served. Are you unforgettable, undeniable to them, or, or they're just raving about you and telling everyone about you? 
Uh, once you get that down packed and they're they're giving you referrals and they're buying from you multiple times, then Facebook ads becomes a little bit of fuel on the fire. And you could spend more to get higher quality leads. You don't want to spend all day talking to the people that really don't want your service. They're just scrolling on Facebook and are not the the type of customers that you, you've really dialed in that you want to serve and that love you. So it sounds like it really comes down to what the core is, kind of what you said about whenever you start, you want to make sure that there's the demand is really there, get your customers. And it really comes down to focusing on who you have and taking good care of them. Yeah. So in the beginning, Facebook ads, great to validate. Mm -hmm. Let's throw $10 in here. Let's throw $50 in here. Can we Mm -hmm. validate? Can we have some conversations? All right. There's, there's demand here. All right. Let's Mm -hmm. get some customers, figure out how to serve them at the highest possible quality we can. Mm -hmm. And then Facebook ads becomes another option to go, all right, how do we scale this thing up once we've, we figured out how to deliver? Okay. That makes sense. I I think something uh, a lot of people also want to know is in the research I did in my PhD program is that a lot of social enterprises don't invest in marketing because it's this mindset that it's kind of an extra thing or they should be able to do it in-house or you should be able to think of this stuff on your own. So I think that a lot of people in social enterprise, they never conceive of hiring anyone to help them with marketing because it just seems, first of all, it's a huge mystery. And second, it just seems like it's so expensive or so out of their price range. But I have a feeling it's not. So could you talk about, I know that you have a a wide range of customers. I think I'm probably your smallest. Can you talk about the things that you would do for a client, let's say if they had a budget of maybe like 10,000 a month, which I know for the listeners, that's a lot, but we want to like know our high point, what we've got to work with. So maybe like 10,000, a thousand, and then let's say you're just getting started and you literally have nothing. What could they expect from a marketing firm to help them with? Yeah, if we start at the higher end, I would be looking at working with an agency uh, or a firm to to really manage. You could learn a lot just mm-hmm. reading articles and watching YouTube videos nowadays. Probably better than 80% of agencies are going to serve you. Is, you might as well spend three hours and just learn it yourself and build up mm-hmm. a skill set. And probably be, before you hire a marketing agency, you, you mm-hmm. should do that or, or have someone like me vet, vet some people for you so you don't make a bad decision. There's a lot of marketing agencies that are just churning through customers and people sign up and they're, they're gone after three months because I got a bunch of likes and mm-hmm. clicks, but I didn't see any return on my investment. But there's enough people out there that they could just move on and, and find more customers. So you certainly don't want to find yourself in that where you invested and trusted someone and three months later, you're you're out a good bit of money. and. Mm-hmm. Don't have anything to show for it and hate marketing even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> if you've got $10,000 a month for a marketing budget, you've validated your idea. You, you've got customers coming in. You just need to scale. And so mm-hmm. I would be looking. There's a lot of helpful. Li- I've got a list of here's six different areas of, of digital marketing and a, a bunch of different uh, levers to pull under those. And so paid advertising is one of them. And there's Facebook and there's Instagram and Google and LinkedIn affiliates and referrals. There's there's six different buckets. I'm happy to share that with you and your, your listeners if that's helpful. But I sort of look at and go, all right, what makes sense for this business? What are other people in the industry doing? All right, those are big highlight areas. And where are our skill sets as a team? Do we have writers on the team? Should we be be writing a lot? Okay, we don't have any writers, but um, I've got an awesome network. And so maybe we should be focused more on referral plans. And so 
just sort of having a general idea. All right, here's the, the three to five areas that we want to invest in. Mm-hmm. And then probably looking at an agency for a couple of those bigger areas. And so if SEO is one, if a lot of people are searching what, what you're selling, then mm-hmm. I'd be looking at that budget at, at getting someone who's an expert. And so you can learn probably how to be a six out of 10 in SEO mm-hmm. online in a week if you dedicate yourself. But with a business that's that's bringing them a lot more money, it's I might as well skip that and hire someone who's a nine out of ten and, and really scale the efforts. Mm-hmm. If you're at that the one thousand dollars a month, I'd be looking at at learning myself. And so everything that I've built and as we've we've grown, it's like all right, how can I I figure this out in a week and for a hundred dollars basically is my rule. <laughs> um, and so that probably the mindset that I was in as I started this business of like, mm-hmm. all right, I might have a thousand, but that's mainly for me. That's my whole business. I would be on YouTube. I'd, I'd maybe look at that list. Same thing of, all right, here's the, the three to five areas that I think we want to run down mm-hmm. and go and spend three hours on YouTube. Just listening from people, taking notes on each video and having some bullet points. Mm-hmm. Go, all right. What are the common threads? What seems interesting? What, what seems doable for me? And let's go run with those. There's a number of things that you could just do for free. You don't have to spend money on Facebook. Um, on Instagram, you could be reaching out every day to your customers just for free, mm-hmm. just through direct messaging. Same thing on LinkedIn. If you're B2B, you could be reaching out to your customers every day for free. Emails, similar phone calls. No one likes to do that. So if you have a thousand dollars a month and you're running a business and hey, my passion's right here, I don't want to do the marketing. It's not interesting to me. For a thousand dollars, you can hire a college student part time or a high school student that's a go getter and wants to support what you're doing. Is interested in a thousand dollars, a lot of money to them to mm-hmm. to be sending out Instagram and LinkedIn messages and trying to set up conversations for yourself. And so that's sort of running in the background, somewhat mm-hmm. automated through you know, you're giving someone a job, which is an awesome way to make an impact. And now you're just having a couple conversations a week from the efforts that they're doing, uh, which is super cool. I'm, we do a lot of that for all our clients. I'm happy to share strategies and what we've learned with, with you and your, your folks. Yeah. That's um, great. But yeah, hiring is, and if you're overseas, a thousand dollars a month goes a long way too. And so, but hiring someone to do some of that manual work. So you're not spending the money on Facebook, but it, you are rather putting the, the manual time in to send out those messages and, and build the relationships on your own. Mm-hmm. At the zero dollars a month, it'd be doing that yourself. And so that's how I started figuring out how to get free coffee. And uh, it's not a difficult thing. It's just taking the time and building that into your daily habits. And I tease and tell people, hey, you could just send out Instagram messages while you're sitting on the toilet every day. And that would completely <laughs> change your business. But most people just aren't willing to, to click the buttons and send out the messages. And so, but just building out a daily routine. Hey, every morning I go on Instagram, I send out 15. At lunchtime, I go on LinkedIn, I send out messages. Mm-hmm. I make five cold calls in the evening try to get on the phone or leave a message. For most people, two or three customers a, a month can completely change your business. And obviously that mm-hmm. scales. If you're selling products and trinkets, you need a lot more. But in that instance, affiliates and B2B relationships is what you're looking for. But two or three customers can completely change your life and business. And if you're sending out 15 messages a day on each of those platforms, you can be having 10 conversations and, and bringing on two customers every month that you otherwise wouldn't have for completely free just because you... Mm-hmm. You took the time while, while you're sitting on the toilet to send some messages. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that could be quite the YouTube phenomenon. People might not actually do it, but they'd probably click on it just for that title. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry to say uh, it on your podcast. No, it's funny. It's so true. It sticks yeah, with people. So That's what the only it does. Yeah. It. yeah. So it sounds like consistency 
is the key. Like whatever you're doing, if you're consistent with it, it's like we even talk about habit stacking and that kind of goes right along with it. It (laughs) If there's something that you're doing every day already, just add something else onto it. And obviously we're all using the toilet. So, so true. It's a typical digital marketing playbook to to A-B test everything. And it could and probably should apply to a lot of different other businesses. But the idea is when you're, you're sending these out, take note of what that message is in the intro and how people are responding to it and how many responses you get. All right, I sent 100 messages this week. I only got two responses. Let mm-hmm. me switch my message up and my, my intro and be a little more personalized. Let's see how that works. And, oh, I got 10 messages back the next week. And so, yeah, that only comes with consistency and then testing and, and taking note. Hey, that one worked or this closing worked. Or, mm-hmm. uh, inviting someone on my podcast this way worked. And so consistency plus testing everything is, mm. is key for you to improve and go, all right, six yeah. months from now, I'm going to get way, way better at this than I was the first month. Mm-hmm. We've done so, that a lot. Yeah. A hundred thousand, if not a million times on those messages over the last four years. So like I said, happy yeah. to share. I can skip the first four years of your testing. Yes. Um, we'd like some quick tips on it. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Such incredible insight from Jacob Froats, our marketing specialist. I didn't realize how many questions I had bottled up to ask him. And in my quest for information for you and me about marketing, I didn't want you to miss a minute of the wisdom Jacob has to share about life and leadership and business. So I'm pushing pause on the interview with Jacob and we'll pick back up in episode 26. Stay tuned. You won't want to miss what he has to share next. Thanks for listening to this episode of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I hope you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. If you enjoyed what you heard, share it with a friend. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it here on your podcast player. Questions, comments, or feedback? Connect with me directly at trishabaileyphd.com or on social at trishabaileyphd. Now, you go and get back to making the world a better place. I'll see you back here soon.